Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Romans 8, come on, Romans chapter 8, going back to our foundation verses, we're talking about all things working together for good. Now again, this has been a much misused phrase in which people say, you know, bad stuff happens in your life. Oh, don't worry, God will turn it around and make it good. Not necessarily true, because the Bible clearly tells us what we have to do for God to see to it that all things work together for our good. Now, remember this, as I stated a minute ago, when things work together for our good, it's not just for our good, it's for others. God wants to help us so we can also do what? Be a blessing to others. Romans chapter 8, let's go look at our foundation verses here. Verse 26, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helps in our weaknesses. Say, I have weaknesses. weaknesses. We have lack of, 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 obviously, understanding of things, of lack of knowing all that we're to know that God knows. But thank God we have the Spirit to help us. Amen? For, he goes on to say, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. If you do not understand how to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, yield to the Holy Spirit that's in you so that you can begin to allow him to pray through you in this heavenly language, you are limited to what only you know when you pray. And that limits you to very little, very little, just a little bit of human knowledge. There's so much more you're missing out on because he clearly just told us we don't know how to pray for everything as we ought. But that's one of the reasons we have the Holy Spirit who helps us. And he does so through this heavenly language. Verse 27, now he who searches the hearts, our hearts, knows what the mind of the Holy Spirit is because he, the Holy Spirit, is doing what? He's making intercession. For who? For us, the saints, according to what? The will of God. He is on our behalf as we don't know how to pray for certain things, praying for us to help bring us into the perfect will of God. 28, and we know therefore... Notice the phrase, and tied to what we just read, we know all things will work together for good to those who also what? Love God to those who are, call, who are called according to his purpose. So let's look at the first three things he's already taught us here that we've already gone over in detail. One, for all things to work together for your good, what must you do? Pray in the Spirit. Because you're not going to experience all that God has for you that is good if you're not praying in the Holy Spirit, he clearly told you, you don't know how to pray for everything as you ought. So daily, what should you be doing? Praying in the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf to connect you with what is God's will. What is God's will for you? It's good. If you want to see good come, you need to pray in the Holy Spirit daily. Because otherwise, you're missing out on a lot of the good God has for your life moving forward. Because you don't know how to pray for everything God wants. Amen. But God does. Amen? Amen. Notice the second thing. Verse 28. We know that all things work together for good also to those who what? To those who love God. So number two, we got to love God. And to love God, Jesus said, you're going to do what I said. If you, if you love me, you'll obey me. 
You'll obey my commandments. You'll honor my word. You'll do what my word says. Obviously, if I'm doing what I think is right and it's not the way of God, how am I going to see God's goodness come to pass in my future? I won't because I'm doing it my way. I mean, God's ways are higher and better. So we have to learn to honor the word of God. That's loving him. And if we love him, we obey his word and we start walking towards the good that God has for us. Amen. So the second thing again is you got to love God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. The third thing, he also said all things work together for good. Notice this last part of verse 28. To those who are called according to his purpose. Now this phrase in the Greek means to work according to God's plan. So number three is you got to live according to God's plan. If you want to see good come to pass, you got to do this the way God set it up to be done. And what is the primary thing God set up to see things work together for our good of our future? Your words. Your words. We went over this in detail last week. James 3. Your words are what determine the outcome of your future. God set it up this way from the beginning. This is how God's plan works. So as an example, how did God bring the world into existence? Words. How are you going to bring? What's coming of your future? Your words today. So if you don't deal with your words today, you're going to miss out on God's plan for the future. His good because you're not dealing with your words. If you keep speaking death, you're not going to have all things work together for good. Right? Death and life's in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. So if you keep speaking death out of your mouth, you're going to continue to do things that obviously is going to hurt your life. So those called according to his purpose, number three, are those who live. The phrase there is they live according to God's plan. How did God set this up primarily to change your life? What you say, what you speak out of your mouth. Now we're going on to the fourth key here. Verse 29, notice this. For, so he's still speaking of the same subject, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. He predestined, he purposed before, in context of you even being born, that we would be conformed to the image of his son. If you get conformed to the image of his son, how many think things are going to work together for good? He said, he predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. The image of what? His son. So I want you to notice in these next few verses, the focus is going to become the son, Jesus. Over and over again, he's going to talk about the son here. He wants us to be conformed to the image of his son that, verse 29, he, talking about Jesus, might be what? The firstborn among many brethren. That he would be the firstborn so that we could be born again and become like him. Verse 30, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Say, that would be us. Whom he called, these he also what? He justified us, made us right with him. Whom he justified, he also what? Glorified, filled us with his presence, gave us his Holy Spirit. 31, notice this. What what then shall we say to these things? If I've been predestined to be conformed to his image, Jesus did what was necessary to make that happen by justifying me and therefore glorifying me, giving me the Holy Spirit. Because of all that, what shall we say to these things? Verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Let me help you. Nobody but you. Say it, nobody but me. Who can be against you? Nobody but you. Nobody can stop you from walking out what God has for your life except you. You're the only one. If God's for me, if he predestined me to be conformed to his image, he sent Jesus to justify me, make me right with God so that would happen, right? 
so that I could now conform to this image and now walk out this new life that's good. Well, if all that's true, and it is, then who could be against me? Nobody except you. Nobody can keep you from walking out the goodness God has for you except you. Verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Look at verse 32. He, God, who did not spare his own son. Think about that. What's the greatest gift God ever gave you? Jesus. He who did not spare his own son, watch, but he delivered him up for us all. God intentionally delivered Jesus up for us all. Jesus did. Jesus was not murdered. Jesus was not killed. He gave his life. He was delivered up for us. He, God, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Watch this. Watch this. How shall he, God the Father, how shall he not with him? Circle or highlight or underline the words with him. See, the focus keeps coming back to Jesus. How shall he not with him, listen, also freely give us all things. All things can work together for good. All things can work together for good. How will God not freely give us all these things if he's accomplished what was needed to make us like Jesus? If he's done what was needed to make us like Jesus, how is it that we could not obtain all the other things that he's freely given us? So verse, 20, uh, verse 32 is saying, if he gave us his son Jesus, the greatest gift we could have, how is it also with that same gift of Jesus, could we not also freely get all things? Because he is also what? Freely given us all things. Number four. How many want to see all things work together for good? Number four, focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. I'm going to talk today about your focus. I'm going to talk today about what you're focused on, what you're looking at. Now, in the process of me saying that, I want to show you something I've used before, years past. A little example. Most of you know I was a bull rider for 16 years. There's a saying in the, in the realm of, of uh, the bull riding world, you're going to go where you look. If you watch most guys on the back of a bull, if they buck off right before they buck off, they'll look to the ground right where, they're going, right where they land. I mean, it's amazing how many times I've watched even videos of myself uh, of, of guys that are actually on the back of a bull, and they're really not even in trouble. They're actually in good shape. You know, you got to hang on for eight seconds. But all of a sudden, they just land off on the ground. And if you'll watch their head, you'll notice they look there, and that's where they wound up. As a bull rider, you're taught to look in one place. You look at the shoulders of that bull. Why do you look at the shoulders? Anybody know? What's down below the shoulders? Front feet. Wherever those front feet go, that bull's going. That's where you're, that's where you're wanting to go for eight seconds. If you don't watch those shoulders, you're not going to be watching where he's going. That's where you're supposed to stay focused on. Now, amazingly, you could even be in trouble on a bull or kind of in bad shape. A lot of times, in many cases, I've seen incredible recoveries where a guy might even be, looks like he's going to get bucked up, but he keeps looking where he's supposed to look. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's right back where he needs to be. Amen? So I'm going to show you two clips. I want you to watch where I look. These are both clips of me. You're going to find out the first one, I made a mistake and I looked where I wasn't supposed to. And things didn't go good. Because I focused on the wrong thing. I looked at the ground. And on the second one, when I bring it up, you're going to find out I did look at the right thing and things turned out for good. I mean, you want all things to work together for good. So what you're focused on is critical. Watch this first clip. Watch where I look. Make it tough because this bull will start to the left and then back to the right. Hang on tight. So Topcat and he is in trouble. Ooh, my Topcat. Caught him, hooked right him. Right after him again. Bull fighters 
and we'll take another look at this thing. Now the Watch Cowboy's in good shape. Top Cat starts to the left. His hand's down on the side. Now yes, really right whipped left. him away from his hand. Right, right, now right. into his hand. He took too long. The bull is right there on him. Top Cat's really dangerous. Picks oh, him up, hits God. him with those horns. That is a tough wreck. Tough way to make a living, Dan. Say things didn't work out for good. <laughs> Say things did not work out for good. You know why? Because if you would have noticed right before I went and hit the ground, that's where I was looking. I got in trouble. Instead of keeping my eyes where they needed to be, I looked off away to the side and I wound up on the ground. And obviously, again, where you focus in life and what you look at has a huge determination of whether things are going to work out for your good or not. Amen? Now, the second one, I actually get in a little bit of trouble on this bull. But even though I was a little bit, a little bit in trouble, not right where I needed to be, guess what I never did? I never turned away. I kept my focus where it was supposed to be. Don't all of you be looking at, look how much hair Pastor had. You're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at the wrong thing. You're supposed to be looking at where I'm looking. Amen? Watch, watch where I look on this second bull. Watch this second bull. Really a good one. Turned back to the left, away from his hand. He's got his work cut out for him. Round to the left. Good turn right there. He's got it out. He gets 82 points, and I mean leaps into first place. He's waving at the crowd, thanking the clowns. 82, not bad. You bet you. Good bull ride. I jumped out of my seat here. Okay, now let's watch this. Now, wave his hand. Look at the free hand. Now, outside foot coming. Head down, free hand. Now, he's really loose. Now, keep trying. Stay down in there. Spur, make the whistle. Get the money. Oh, boy. That is, that is excellent. It didn't work out for my good. I won that rodeo that weekend. But, and that was an NFR bull. But I'm going to tell you why. I got in trouble. I got off of my rope. But guess where I never stopped looking? I never stopped looking where I was supposed to be keeping my eyes on. Folks, this is life for me and you. If you're focused on the wrong thing, guess what's going to happen? You're going to hit the ground time and again. And things aren't going to go good for you. You listening to me? I want you to listen real careful today. Because I'm going to tell you right now, everything in this world is trying to get you focused on something but what you're supposed to be focused on. Everything in this world is trying to get you distracted. Who is it that you're to be predestined to the image of? Jesus. Who is it you want to keep looking to? Jesus. Who is it should be your daily focus? Jesus. Not your life. Not what you want. Not what you think you should be doing. If you are, your focus is on the wrong thing. If you're looking at you, I got a word for you. You're going to hit the ground. I got a word for you. Life's going to hook you. Life's going to throw you around. Are you listening? It don't mean as you go through this life, you don't face challenges. Sure you do. But if you stay focused on the right thing, how many know you're going to be victorious? Things are going to work for good. So you got to understand this. This is so critical. Verse 32. God didn't spare his only son. He gave us his only son for our salvation. And if he did, how would he also with him not freely give us all things? How's he going to freely give us all things? Go back to the last part of verse 32. With him. With him, circle it. With him, with him, he will freely give us all things. So if you want to walk in the all things that he wants to freely give you to walk out this life, and we're not just talking about stuff, folks. We're talking about living a godly life. We're talking about living the kind of life God wants us to experience. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. How am I, how are you, how is anybody as a believer on the planet going to walk in all things that have been freely given? 
which would be all things working together for good, would it not? I said, would it not? If I'm walking in all things that he's freely given me, would it not mean that all things are working together for my good? Sure they are. But what's the key there? It's with him. It's with him that I freely receive and walk in all that he's given. So that means I got to keep a focus where? On him. If your focus is being distracted, turned off onto anything else, and you know, as a bull rider in eight seconds, I mean, a lot goes through your mind. In the context of what you really do, you don't try to learn in relationship to what you're doing. You don't try to learn in the midst of that uh, ride on the back of a bull what you need to be doing with your free hand and what you need to be doing with your movements and all that. You got to practice all that beforehand like on a stationary barrel to get your body just, you know, uh, constantly in routine used to making those moves. When you're on the back of that bull, you're thinking about one thing, countering everything he's doing and staying with him. Wherever he goes, you're staying wherever he's going. Well, guess what? In life, it's similar. In life, if you're going to wait till the storms come, and now you're going to try to learn to get your focus on the Lord, you're going to get in trouble. You daily need to learn to get your focus where it needs to be. And guess what? If you stay focused where you need to be, you're going to make the right moves. I said you're going to make the right moves. Because guess who's living through you? Jesus is. Second Peter, we're going to see clearly that he has already given us all things. Second Peter chapter 1, are you there? Verse 1, Simon Peter a bondservant, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained, who is this written to? To those who have obtained like precious faith. That means faith of the same value. Faith of the same value. Whose faith is it? It's God's. God gave you a measure of faith. You have the same faith that Jesus had. You have the same value of faith. Your faith isn't different than Jesus's. He just learned to use it. I said he learned to use it. Your faith ain't different than Wigglesworth. Your faith ain't different than Hagen. Your faith ain't different than, than anybody else we talk about on the planet. You listening? Well, you raised somebody from the dead, Pastor. No, I didn't. God did. My, the faith I was given isn't any different than yours. Your faith isn't any different than mine. What are you doing with the faith you have? So to develop that faith, you got to get your focus right. So again, to those who have obtained like precious faith or faith of the same value with us by the righteousness of God our Savior Jesus Christ. How did you get that faith? By becoming right with God. Didn't we just read he justified us? That's made right with God. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge, in the knowledge of God. How do you get grace and peace multiplied to you? Get to know God better. In the knowledge, you get to know God, you're going to walk in grace and peace. Not frustration and stress and fear and worry. This is multiplied in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Three, as his divine power, as his divine power has given to us all things. What did it just say over there a minute ago in Romans? How will he not with him also freely give us all things? He's now saying he already has done that. He's saying his divine power has given to us all things that pertain both to life and godliness. Life, what you have need of in the natural. And godliness, what you need to walk out spiritually. He's already given it to you. How? By his divine power. Listen, through the knowledge of him. Underline it. Through the knowledge of him. Knowledge of who? Jesus. By knowing Jesus. By knowing Jesus. By knowing him who called us by glory and virtue. By, verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Woo! By which have been given. Have been given to us. Exceedingly great and precious promises. It, it bothers me when Christians come to church bummed. 
down and out, down in the mouth, frown on their face. You ought to start learning about Jesus. You, you got no reason to be down and out. Well, you don't know what's going on in my life. I don't need to know. If you get focused on Jesus, your life will change for the better. Your focus is wrong. Your focus is wrong. Notice this, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be what? Partakers of the divine nature. That image, that lifestyle he created you to live. Are you listening? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Back to verse 3. His divine power has given to us all things. What is his divine power? The glory of God. The power of God. When did his divine power give us all things? That pertain to life and godliness. When did that happen? Huh? No, when did that happen? When he was raised from the dead. When Jesus, what raised Jesus from the dead? God's divine power. When were all things given unto you that pertain to life and godliness? When Jesus came back from that grave. You listening? When he came back from the grave, guess what? All things you needed were done. You couldn't get born again before that. You couldn't get all things before that. But when he came back from the dead, guess what, man? All things are done. All things are fulfilled. When he said it's finished on the cross, he finished the Old Testament. He lived out the law. He said, I came to fulfill it. Well, he fulfilled the law. But, but without being raised from the dead, you have no victory. He was the firstborn, not the only. Come on. Romans said he was the firstborn from the dead. Not the only one. Tell your neighbor, you're not dead anymore. Why? Jesus was the firstborn, but we were what? Oh, we weren't the second. Who was the second? It don't matter. It, all that matters is we've been born again. And because we've been born again, we've been given what? Exceedingly great and precious promises. We've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Well, if we've already been given all things, could not all things work together for our good? Sure they could. Absolutely. But the problem is you're going to get them through him. Through the knowledge of him. Back to what we're talking about today. What's your focus on? Because if your focus daily is it on Jesus, you're not going to experience what God has for you. You're not going to see all things work together for good. Your focus is on the wrong thing. You're going to buck off. You're going to hit the ground. You're going to get hooked by life. You're going to get thrown around. Not even the clowns can save you. Are you still here? So notice this again, verse 3, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So you need to know when that happened. When Jesus was raised from the dead, His divine power, God's divine power, was displayed in which the Holy Spirit brought Him back from the grave. So that's already happened. Say it's already happened. Notice the next phrase. How do we walk in all things that pertain to life and godliness? Next phrase, through the knowledge of Him. Through the knowledge of Him. Now, wait a minute. The knowledge of Him doesn't mean to know about Him. The knowledge of Him. So many Christians go to church today and just know about Him. But they don't know Him. They come to God's house. They hear a message. They hear a sermon. They're looking at their watch, wondering when we're going to get out. Whether they have time to come to church today or don't. Whether they have time to do this or not. Got stuff to do. Got things to go. Play, places to go. Things to do, etc., etc. Let me help you. If that's your, if that's your life, your focus is wrong. Your focus is wrong. What was Adam's focus before the fall every day when he woke up? What do you think he looked forward to every day when he woke up? Fellowship with God. I get to know God better today. God's going to show up in the garden, Eve. He's going to come walk with us. He's going to come talk to us. We're going to get to visit with him today again. 
Amen? Amen? If your focus isn't to know him, not know about him, your focus isn't on him. I said, if your focus is not to know him, not just know about him, if your focus is not to know him, not just know about him, then your focus is not on him. But if you're focused on knowing him, guess what? Your focus is all about not knowing about him, but knowing him. So you got a daily desire to walk with Jesus. You got a daily desire to want to get to know him better. He has to be the focus of your life when you're at work, when you're at home, no matter what you're doing. Your focus has to stay Jesus. Because the only way you're going to walk in the things that he's already provided is through the knowledge of him. Do you see that in verse 3? Through the knowledge of him. As he said in Romans 8, how do we see relationship to what he talked about? How do we see all the things that he has available for us come to pass? We do so through him. He has freely given us all things through him, through Jesus. So we got to get to know Jesus better. I said, we got to get to know Jesus and never lose sight of our focus on Jesus. Go to Luke chapter 11. And I'm here to tell you, before you ever even walk out of the room today, your brain's already trying to turn me off. Your brain is already trying to turn me off. If you don't think your brain ain't trying to turn me off, you don't know your brain very well. Your brain's already trying to turn you off. There's nothing good in your flesh that dwells. Your natural brain doesn't want to submit to the Bible. Your natural brain doesn't want to hear from God. Your spirit man does. Come on, somebody. And if my spirit rules, guess what my brain gets? My brain gets subjected to my spirit man. But I'm not here just to get a bunch of head knowledge about God and go off and just spout off a bunch of stuff out of my head. I want to know him better. I want to know him better. And when you know him better, you experience him in your life. You're aware he's with you. How do I know if I know Jesus, Pastor? You are aware of his presence. Because by the Holy Spirit, he's with you every day. You're not just aware of him through through your head knowledge of the Bible. You're aware of him by experience. He's a person. I said he's a person. I know Kathy not by just, by just knowledge in my head, but by experience. I know when she's around. I know when she's in my presence. You should know that about God. Because the one thing with humans, they can't always be with you. But guess who is with you? Every day. Every moment of every day. God is. And when you stay focused on him, guess what you become? Aware of his presence. Amen. It's like Kathy can be in the room. In the natural, you can't focus on one person. Kathy can be in the room. I'm working on something else. She's talking. Do you not hear me? What? You didn't hear me. No, I wasn't focused on her. I was focused on something else. But we don't want to do this with God. I said, we don't want to do this with God. We don't want to ignore God in our life. Are you listening? We want to give him our full attention. If I give him my full attention, I'm going to be able to love her better than I could ever love her on my own. If I give him my full attention, I'm going to see all things work together for good because I'm going to know what he's directing me to do. I'm going to know what he wants me to do tomorrow. I'm going to know what he wants me to do the next day. And therefore, he's leading me into everything that's good. But if you don't focus on Jesus, it won't happen. Luke chapter 11. Come on, I gave you plenty of time to find it. Luke chapter 11. Look at verse 34. These verses might have been kind of clouded to you before. Let's bring understanding here of what Jesus said. Luke eleven thirty four. 34, the lamp of the body, the body is the eye. Now here the body just represents what one lives out in their life. It's all it represents. It's not talking about your physical body and what's inside you here. It's literally talking about what illuminates the life that you live. Body here representing in the Greek language what you walk out. What determines what I walk out? What's illuminating that direction? 
What's taking you that direction? And the lamp of the body, therefore, that takes you the direction you go is what? Your eye. Listen to that. What determines my outcome in life? What I'm focused on. That's all he just said right there in the first part of verse 34. What determines the outcome, the direction my life takes, body, is what? It's the eye. What illuminates the direction my life goes? The eye. What you're focused on. Therefore, when your eye is good, circle the word good. Notice this. Your body, just refer to your body as your life here. Your life will be full of what? Tell me. Tell me what it will be full of. I'll tell you what. If your life is full of light, you're walking in everything that's good. Right? Jesus is the light of the world. God is light. There is no darkness in him. So if my focus is correct, my lifestyle is going to be lived out full of what? Light. This isn't talking about inside your body you're going to have all this light going on. It's not what it's talking about. Body's referring to how you live out your life, where you go, what you do. You have to look this up in the Greek language to understand these verses. That's why you have a pastor and that's why you need a shepherd so you can learn these truths. Not talking about me having some kind of bright light inside of my body. You actually already have a light inside there, the Holy Spirit. But the point I'm making is that's not the reference here. All he's saying is what you focus on is going to determine if the life that, life that you now walk out is full of light or full of darkness. If it's full of light, guess what you're walking in? I'll wait till you repeat it. If, you're, if your future is full of light, guess what you're walking in? All things that are good. Because you're walking in all that's God. God is light. Notice this. Notice the last part of verse 24. But when your eye is bad, it's not focused on the right thing. Your body, your lifestyle, what you live out will be full of what? Darkness. Not good. Say not good. good. So the choice is based on my focus. The choice of getting hooked by a bull or making a qualified ride and getting away is my focus. The choice of whether you get hooked by life or whether you live a victorious life, even facing the challenges of life, is based on your focus in life. The eyes representing what are you focused on? What are you looking at every day? Are you so caught up with all your problems in life and all of your responsibilities and all the things you got to do that God takes a back seat? Because if he does, you're not going to walk in what's good. It doesn't mean we totally ignore responsibilities, but I focus on the key of what my life is supposed to be centered on every day, no matter what my responsibilities are. If I take my focus off of that, guess what? I'm going to wind up getting a life that's not going to be good. It's going to be full of darkness. 35, therefore take heed that that light which is in you is not darkness. Take heed that which is illuminating your path is not darkness. Light, lamp, what's illuminating? What's directing you down to your future of what you have going before you? Make sure it ain't darkness. Make sure it's light. 36, if then your whole body is full of light, your lifestyle is actually walking out that which is of the light and having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when a bright shining of a lamp gives you light. Meaning that you're just going to illuminate God's goodness because you're walking in it. Other people are going to see it. Other people are going to see it. You're walking in what's good. People are going to notice. It's going to put off a light to them. Am I helping anybody today? Listen to this in another translation that will help you better understand the Greek language here. Verse 34. Listen. Your eye, your outlook. Your eye, your outlook. What you're looking at, your outlook on life. The way you see is your lamp. 
If your way of seeing is functioning well, then your whole life will be enlightened. But if your way of seeing is darkened, then your life will be a dark, dark place. 36, if your outlook is good, you're focused on the right thing. If your outlook is good, then your whole life will be what? Bright. With no shadowy corners as when a radiant lamp brightens your home. Now go back here to verse 34. Back here on verse 34, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is what again? What's good mean? The word good here means singly focused. Singly focused. How do I get my eye good? It has to be focused on one thing. What's that one thing? Jesus. If my eye is focused on Jesus, he's the light of the world. If my eye is focused on Jesus, relationship with him, getting to know him, if my focus is right, what's my future going to be? Bright. What's my future going to be? Good. Because I'm going to walk in all that's good. Hallelujah. But what if my eye is bad? So bad here means diverted. Bad here means malfunctioning. Bad means you're looking at more than one thing. So it's simple. If you think about even what James says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Listen to this. He'll receive nothing from the Lord. You know, most Christians, you know why most Christians aren't receiving that which is good from God? They're double-minded. They have this one belief in their mind that I am serving God, I love God, but yet they're still focused on the world and the things of the world. And if you're double-minded trying to get both what the world has and get God at the same time, guess what? You'll receive nothing from the Lord because you won't walk by faith. I'm about to prove it to you. If your focus is not completely on Jesus, you're not going to walk by faith. You're going to walk. Those circumstances are going to affect how you live. Those circumstances are going to affect what you believe, what you say, what you do. And to walk in all that's good, how many know you're going to have to walk by faith and not by sight? So what are you focused on? You should ask yourself today, while your pastor by the Holy Spirit is preaching this message to you, you should ask yourself, am I really focused on a relationship with God? Or am I focused on all the things that he has laid up for me? No, you don't focus on the things. You focus on the one who wants relationship with you. Guess what? All things are going to work together for your good. Because he's already prepared everything you need. See, the problem is if you focus on the things, you've already got the way figured out as to how it's going to work. When you start focusing on the things, even promises of God, and that's your focus, you're already figuring out in your own mind exactly how's that going to work out. I know it's going to work out this way, that way. And then you never get it because guess what? God's ways aren't your ways. Give some of your high five, say, you needed that today. God's ways are not your ways. When you focus on going through life and you have a need of something or something's going on and all you're focused on is trying to get what God promised and that's your focus and not the God who promised it, you're going to try to work at it in your own mind as to how that's to work. And you're going to miss out on what God's way is to get it. God's ways are not your ways. Anybody ever learned after the fact God had a far better plan than you did? If you stuck with him. If you stayed focused on him and just trusted him and kept relationship strong with him, you let him walk you through it. And when you got to the end result, listen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't plan on going into the fire. Wasn't their plan. Are you listening? They didn't wake up that morning and say, hey, boys, we're going into the fire. Jesus is going with us. I know because I happen to know this, how this is going to work out. No, they had one focus. What was their one focus? We love God. We serve God. We are focused only on one person. Who? God. God. And when Nebuchadnezzar made this other image that everybody was to bow down to, but these three Hebrew boys wouldn't, 
Guess what? To save face in front of all of those who actually look to him as a king, what's he got to do? He liked Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He didn't want to throw them in the furnace. But he made a decree. And he said, if you don't bow down to my God, we're going to throw you in the furnace. And those three boys wouldn't bow down. Are you listening? Now, guess what? I'm going to tell you why the fire didn't burn them. I'm going to tell you why the challenge they went through was not a downer to them. They weren't depressed. Are you listening? Go read their words. They're depressed. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, man, we're pretty depressed today because you want to throw us in this furnace, man. We just don't know what to do. We didn't think God would work it out this way. We kind of had our plan. We had this all figured out that you weren't going to make us bow down to the God that you made. You were just going to let us serve you anyway and not have to bow down to your God. But evidently, it didn't go according to our plan. They didn't say that, did they? You know what they said? Because their focus was on God. Throw us into the fire if you have to. I'm going to tell you right now, we ain't bowing down to your God. Now, why did they say that? I'm going to tell you why they wouldn't bow down to their God. You know why? Because their focus was on one person, their God. You know how many Christians daily bow down to other gods? Their own ideology, their own way of doing things, their own way of thinking through things. Those are other gods. That's even if you're thinking of doing stuff on your own, not God's way, that's you making a god out of yourself. But what do those three boys do? We ain't bowing down. We ain't bowing down. Throw us in the furnace, but we ain't bowing down. Now, listen, did they know that without a doubt God would deliver them from the fire? No. They didn't, but you know what they knew? They knew this, I ain't bowing down to nobody else but my God. So you don't know how God's going to work it out. That's why they said, hey, even if we perish, guess what? We don't care. We don't care. I wish Christians had that attitude today. I said, I wish Christians had that. Even if you persecute me, fire me, I lose my job. I don't care. I ain't bound down to your God. I'm doing exactly what Jesus told me to do. I'm living my life for him. Amen. Amen. So go ahead, king. Even if our God doesn't deliver us, we still ain't bound down. They didn't know what God was going to do. You don't know what God's going to do. Come on, somebody. So what does he do? He gets so mad, he heats the furnace up seven times hotter. Now, what's the purpose of that? Fire burns, whether it's already hot enough to burn somebody or seven times. It don't matter. It's going to burn you anyway. What's he doing? He's going off of the flesh. He's totally angry. He's totally mad. I'm going to show these boys that I rule. And he throws them into the furnace. But how many are glad what happened in that furnace? (laughs) You listening? See, you're you're reading the story from the backside. But I'm going to tell you why they walked through that furnace. I'm going to tell you why they came out unburned. I'm going to tell you why. Because they weren't going to bow down to anybody but God. They had one focus. Those boys had relationship with Jehovah. I said those boys had relationship with Jehovah. They knew God. They knew him. Why? That's what they were pursuing daily. And because of that, all of a sudden they say, you know what, king? We don't understand this, but you better come here and look. Well, what do you mean I better come look? They're, they're crispy critters. No, you better come look. Because there ain't just three of them in the fire. We don't know what's going on, but there's a fourth one in there. Now think about this. Seriously, these uh, servants of Nebuchadnezzar have never seen Jesus before. I said they have never seen. One of the things that people miss in this story, guess what they said? We think it's the Son of God. How do you know? You've never seen him. But ain't it amazing when Jesus shows up, how all of a sudden he's known? Are you listening? We don't know, but this fourth one, he looks like the Son of God. And guess who was in there? Not depressed. Come on, not down and out. Get rid of all your frown faces in church. Not frowning and upset. No, what were they doing in that furnace fire? What were they doing? What were they doing? 
There's a fourth one in there dancing in the fire. What do you mean? Woo, come on. We're hot for God. We're hot for God. Glory to God. I wish Christians would get hot for God today. Really wish they would. They would if they get consumed with Jesus. See, you shouldn't have to need a Matt Highbarger to pump you up during praise and worship. If you're on fire for God, man, you're already dancing in the furnace. You listening? And so they come walking out. Now, they were bound by hand when they went in there. The only thing that come off of their bodies was what the enemy had bound them by. Meaning what? He can't hold you. Enemy can't hold you. And they didn't even smell like smoke. You can't even sit by a campfire without smelling like smoke. And these boys come out of the fire, didn't even smell like smoke. Come on, somebody. Daniel came out of the lion's den. I'm going to tell you why. Daniel didn't know he would shut the mouth of the lion. He didn't know that. See, you know it because you read the latter part of the story. He didn't know that. For all he knows, he's, he's a crispy, he's a, he's a, a, a order for these hungry lions that have been starved for, you know, for days and days and days. I'm their dinner for today. He don't know he's going to get out of there. But you know what he's not going to do? He's not going to stop kneeling and praying to his God. You know why? Because he knows his God. If you kneel and pray to your God three times a day in the Old Testament, I think you know your God. And nothing's going to stop you, even though the king said nobody can do this. But yet he kept doing it. Why? I don't care. I'm going to serve my God. He didn't want to throw him in the lion's den. A king didn't want to do that. Matter of fact, he stayed up all night. He didn't even sleep at all. Maybe your God will deliver you, Daniel. Oh, maybe he'll deliver you. Oh, God, I'll guarantee you, man. Daniel didn't know what was going to happen. I understand. Throw me in the den. So he did. Comes back the next day. Man, don't bother yourself, king. It's okay. I'm down here just petting these, these little calm cats. Well, it wasn't because they weren't hungry, because when they lifted him up, guess what they did? They threw the boys in there that set Daniel up, and they devoured him before they hit the ground. Come on, somebody. Help me preach. What's your focus on? How do I know what my focus is on, Pastor? How much is the world hooking you and throwing you around? How easily are you affected by circumstances of life that don't go your way? How easily can, God, can, the, can the devil and circumstances keep you out of church, keep you out of your Bible, keep you from praying? Sure gets quiet when you talk like this. But see, I guarantee you, the reason Daniel didn't bow, the reason the three Hebrew boys didn't bow... Is not because when that time came, they started crying out to their God. They were walking with their God every day. Their focus was their God every day. If your focus is not your God every day, get ready. Get ready, because life is going to throw you around. You're going to get hooked by life. Even as much as other Christians, clowns, try to step in there and help you out, guess what? They're not going to be able to take all the hits for you. Some of the best bullfighters in the world, man, I'll guarantee it, don't always take the hit for you as much as they try. That bull can go through them if he wants. I've had it happen. So I'm just here to tell you, folks, what's your focus on? What's your focus on? You want to see all things work together for good? Anybody? What's your focus on? What he's telling you in these verses is your outlook in life will determine your outcome. Your outlook in life is going to determine your outcome. Your outcome of your tomorrows to work together for good have to be based on what you're looking at today. What's your outlook on life today? What are you looking at? What are you focused on today? If it ain't Jesus, your days ahead are not going to be as great as you think they are. You're basing your days ahead based on just what you do and what you know. 
and not what God wants to help you with. If you're walking with God every day, do you know there's things God will adjust in your life to stop you from doing stupid stuff in the future? You know that? If you're walking with God every day, God's going to say, you know, you were, you were about to make this decision here in a couple of days. Let me correct that for you. You remember when you started thinking about this thing here? Yeah. Don't you know how bad you felt on the inside? Yeah. That's me trying to tell you, don't do that. Pay attention, son. Pay attention, daughter. I'm trying to spare you some pain. You know, most of the pain and suffering that Christians go through is self-inflicted. Because they're not looking at the right thing. Thank God we can. I said, thank God we can. Go to Romans 4. What are you looking at? What are you focused on? Is it to truly know him or just know about him? Because if you really want to know him, everything that pertains to God, you want to be a part of. I'll say it again. If you really want to know him, everything that pertains to God, you want to be a part of. Because if it pertains to him and I want to get to know him, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to hang out with God. I'm going to be a part of everything that pertains to God because I want to know my God better. I'm truly saddened by Christians that go through religious motions of church and don't daily walk with God to know Him better. Well, if I do that, I don't need church. I will promise you, if you're walking with God, you're not being told not to go to church. God is not telling you in the last days, just just don't go to church, man. You know me, that's okay. Uh, He would violate His own word if He was doing that. Oh, don't pick up your Bible today and fellowship with me and let me talk to you. No, you got better things to do. He wouldn't be telling you that. Are you still here? Because the Bible tells us otherwise. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. So look at an example in closing today. Look at an example of what not to consider and what we are to consider. What our focus needs to be on. So this is the example of Abraham who became a father of a multitude. Which, by the way, you're part of that family. We are part of that multitude that would come because of the covenant he made with God of which he was considered righteous and we now are. Notice how he walked in, the, in this promise, 4, 419, and not being weak in faith, Abraham, not being weak in faith, underline it. He did not consider his own body. Consider, let me, let me define this for you. The word consider here means what are you focused on? <clears throat> what are you giving your attention to? Look it up, exactly what it tells you. What did it just say? He did not focus on, nor give his attention to his own body. God gave him a promise. You're going to have a promised son. That son's going to come through Sarah. How old is Abraham at the time he's given this promise? Almost 100 years old. What about Sarah? Barren, unable to have children. And God said, what? See, God will never do things the way you think. And you're going to miss out on a lot of cool stuff with God if you don't make him your focus. And just let God do it. Just let God do it his way. Come on, somebody. So he tells Abraham, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, but I'm 100 years old. I don't care. This is what's going to happen. Yeah, but my wife, man, she can't have any kids. This is, but, you know, this is not going to happen, God, because she can't have kids. He didn't say none of that. Notice what it says. He did not consider his own body. Consider means what? He didn't focus on. He didn't fix his eyes or his attention on his own body, already dead since he was about 100 years old, and he did not focus on the deadness of Sarah's womb. It's not what he looked at. What's he focused on? Relationship with God. Who's he walking with every day? God. 20. He did not waver, therefore. I added the therefore. That's why he didn't. 
He did not waver, therefore. Why? Because he wasn't considering the wrong thing. He did not waver at the promise of God through what? Unbelief. How did he not waver at the promise of God through unbelief? He was considering the right thing. What causes you to waver in unbelief? You're considering the wrong thing. You consider the wrong thing in life. You don't focus on relationship with God. It's easy. It is so easy. What's one of the keys, Pastor, to walking in strong faith? Walk with God. Get to know Him better every day. Because you get to know Him better. Listen, here's the thing what has been noted by great men of God and great women of God who walk with God for years, even back to the Bible times. Receiving what God says in the Word primarily for most people isn't a problem of believing that God can do it. That's not the problem. Most people don't lack faith in God's ability to do something. Right? Can he do this? Oh, yeah, he can do anything he wants. Most Christians would tell you, could God do this? Sure he could. Where's the problem? Will he? It's not whether can he. The question is, will he? And if you get to know God, you get to know God personally, guess what you're going to find out? He will. You're going to find out his he will if you get to know the guy who gave you the promise. If you don't know the one who gave you the promise. See, wouldn't it be sad for me to look at my wife and question her willingness to help me? It wouldn't be wrong for me to question her ability to help me in the natural because there's things she's limited on. Honey, I need you to build us a new shed. I'm going to go buy the materials. I'm going to put it out back. There's all the nails. There's all the tools. There's all the equipment. I need you to go build that shed. Will she? <laughs> you know, it, it, it would not be hard for people to question people's ability to do something on the can side. If you know them well enough and they love you, you know they're willing to. But it doesn't always mean they can. But with God, we reverse it. You listening? With God, we reverse it. With people, we walk in this because we understand not everybody has the same gifts and abilities. Right? I said, right? Can pastor perform open heart surgery? Are you kidding? Will he? No. Well, I can't do that. Amen. But you know what? If I needed help financially, let's say from my wife, I needed some money to help me. It would be totally detrimental in relationship to her to question her willingness to do that. It wouldn't be wrong to question her ability. Because if I'm asking, I don't know if she has the money or not. Right? If I know she's willing to because she loves me. Come on, stick with me. If I know she's, but how do I know Kathy would be willing to do that? Because I know her. Come on, church. I know Josh. I know Josh would be willing to help me do anything I asked him to do. Can he help me do anything I asked him to do? No. He has a job. He has a family. He has other things he has to do. I know he would be willing to do whatever he could to help me. If, but, but imagine how offended would Josh be if I questioned Josh's willingness as a close friend. Now, the only reason I know he will is because guess what? I know Josh. But it would be offensive to Josh if I said, well, Josh, I just don't know if you will help me or not. I'll guarantee you, he wouldn't be happy about me saying that. It wouldn't make Josh happy to say, I just don't know, Josh, whether you really want to help me do this or not. Are you listening? Well, I'll guarantee you, you wouldn't do that with somebody you know. Because if you know them, you know whether they're willing or not. Are you listening to me today? Talking about focus, don't lose track. So then we do the opposite with God. It's not like we question God's ability, can he? But we do the thing that would offend most people. 
I said, we do the thing with God that would offend most people. Now, God don't get offended at your lack of understanding of his willingness. He don't get offended by you. God doesn't get offended by people. You listening? But we don't question his ability. We question his willingness. I'm going to tell you why you question God's willingness. I'm going to tell you why you question, will he heal me? Will he deliver me? Will he provide? Will he come to him? I'm going to tell you why you question him. I'm going to tell you why you question him. You don't know him. Because I know Josh and I know he's willing. I know my wife. I know she's willing. Come on, somebody. I, don't know, I know many of other of you that are willing. But you know why I know that? Because I know you. You know why we question God's willingness? We don't know him. Why do we not know him? Our focus is wrong. How can I get to know him if I don't have time focus on getting to know him? That he's not my daily pursuit. You're going to have no problem walking by faith like Abraham did. If you know God. Abraham walked with God. Because he walked with God, he knew God was willing. Are you listening? He certainly didn't question his ability. And he didn't what? He didn't waver through unbelief. Why? Because he didn't consider what was in the natural. Why did he not consider what was in the natural? Although it was true. Was it true he was 100 years old? Yes. Was it true Sarah was barren? Yeah. Why did he not consider that? Because I know God. Come on, somebody. See, the problem why most of us are considering stuff over God is because God's not our focus in our life. If God's your focus in life, you get to know him. If you get to know him, you stop questioning his willingness. You stop questioning that. You start believing everything he tells you. Come on, somebody. That was Abraham. See, the reason Abraham got to this place where he didn't consider his own body or Sarah's body was because he knew God. He'd been walking in relationship with God. So verse 20, he didn't waver therefore at the promise of God through unbelief. He was strengthened in faith doing what? What was he doing? He was giving glory to God. He was already glorifying God before it ever even came to pass. You know why? Because he knew God. 21, being fully convinced that what he, God, promised, he was also what? Able to perform. He knew he was able, but he also knew he was willing. Therefore, it was what? Accounted to him for righteousness. So what did Abraham not consider? What was going on in the natural? Why did he not consider what was going on in the natural? I'll tell you why. Because he knew God. I said he knew God. Are you listening? Watch this, verse 22, 23, excuse me. Now, it was not written just for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our justification. Because we've been justified in the sight of God, we now have the ability to walk in relationship with God and know him. Go to Hebrews 12 in closing. The reason... Many Christians don't walk by faith. They walk by sight is because they don't know God. They know about Him. See, we make walking by faith all about knowing the promises. Well, faith begins. Say it begins. That's not where it ends. Faith begins where knowledge is known. If you don't know what God's promised you, how could you have faith for it? How could I have faith for anything that I don't know? God hasn't given me a promise that that's mine. I couldn't. If I didn't know God said, hey, that's a promise to you. You can have it. I couldn't have faith for it. But if I know it's a promise, guess what? I already know what I have available to me. But now I got to do what? I got to believe he's willing. And in the case of God's willingness, has he not already done it? Yes, he has. I said, yes, he has. 
His divine power has already Amen. given to us all things yes. that pertain to life and godliness. Amen. What do I need to do? Walk in close relationship with Him. And you'll see all things work together for good. Amen. Hebrews 12.1. Am I helping anybody today? Yes. I'm preaching me happy, I'll tell you that. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore we also, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What do you mean we also? What do you mean a great cloud of witnesses? What's Hebrews 11 filled with? All these people who walk by faith. All these witnesses that we have to look to. All these people, and you go back, all these people in chapter 11 are people that walk with God. Enoch walked with God. Come on. Enoch walked with God. He was taken. Abraham walked with God. Noah walked with God. Sarah walked with God. All these people walked with God. And they knew him. Because they knew him, they walked by faith. And since we have all these witnesses in chapter 11, what should then we do? What should we do? Let us lay aside every weight. What's the weights of life? Things that take your focus off of God. Things that are a burden to you. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to get this done. I got to get that done. Let me help you. Your focus is wrong. Again, it doesn't mean we don't have responsibilities to fulfill. But if you allow these responsibilities to get your focus off of Jesus, you're going to not see all things work together for good. You're relying on you alone. Are you listening? How I many bought a house lately? Let me help you. You better rely on God. You're going to go through a lot of ups and downs in the natural. You better rely on God. But you know what? It's all worked together for our good. Even better than what we thought. You know why? Because I kept telling God. I kept telling Kathy. And she knew this as well. We know this is the right one. We have a piece about it. God will work it out. We'll get through this. God will make it happen. Stuff was thrown at us. Doesn't matter. I told you husbands this. You're a, problem, you're a problem solver. To be the head of your home means I'm here to solve problems. I'm here with God's help to solve problems. That don't mean solve them on your own. It means go to God. Figure out how. Thank you for all your amens about that. Amen. Kathy told me last night. She said, thank you for going through all the stressful, hard stuff to deal with that I didn't have to hear about. All the different things thrown at us, figures, and this and that, and this is going on, and that's going on, da 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 And I just keep reminding myself, you know what, God? You directed us there. This will work out. I got to do my part. I got to get, get done what I got to do, but I'm, if this is you, it'll work out. And if it don't, big deal. If it don't, we move on. My life is far more than food and clothing and a house to live in. My life is Jesus. Notice again, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Weights are distractions of you focusing on Jesus. Weights are distractions of you not focusing on Jesus. They're taking his place. They'll become a burden to you. Jesus won't. I said Jesus won't. Things will. You listening? And even the sin which so easily ensnares us. So certainly we shouldn't be obviously involved in sin either. Let us run with what? Endurance. The race that is set before us, it is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Two, how do we do it? Looking unto Jesus, underline it. Looking unto Jesus means with undivided attention. You ready? Singly focused. I'm focused on one thing. I want to get to know Jesus better today. Come on. I'm fo- I was focused on one thing coming here today. I want to know you better, Lord, so I can help my people better. See, if your focus wasn't come to get to know God, if your focus was to get another sermon, your focus is wrong. You just got another, you just got head knowledge. You didn't get revelation to him. You're not drawing closer to him. It's all about him. Looking unto Jesus, the central focus of my life, the author 
and the finisher of our faith. The author, the beginning of our faith and the one who will help complete this faith in us. Because the beginning of faith is where the will of God is known. When you know the will of God, you got the beginning of faith. Who's going to help you get there? Jesus is. You stay focused on him, he'll help you bring it to, to fruition. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Who, in the example of his life, who, who for the joy set before him, the joy set before him, the joy set before him. What was set before him? Whipping post. Come on, nails in the hands, nails in the feet. Dying spiritually, being separated from the Father. He counted it a joy. You know why? Because he didn't focus on those things of the natural. What was he focused on? The Father. He was focused on the Father, doing the Father's will. The joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For, look at verse 3. For consider him. Underline, circle, highlight those three words in your Bible. Consider him. What did Abraham not consider? What was in the natural? What did he consider? His God. Why? Because he knew his God. What are you supposed to consider? Your God, your, your Savior, your Jesus. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Ladies and gentlemen, you start getting weary and discouraged in your soul, your focus is on the wrong thing. Why would you become weary and discouraged? Your focus is on the wrong thing in life. If you are focused on him, you're not going to become weary and discouraged. Are you listening? Because if it's all about relationship with him, guess what I'm not going to get? Weary. Guess what you're not going to get? Discouraged. Go spend some time with God and come out of there weary and discouraged. It ain't going to happen. I said it ain't going to happen. Why do we get weary and discouraged? Wrong focus. But what if we stay focused on God? Come on, what if we stay focused on God? A bull rider knows if I stay focused on the right thing, if this bull does his job, he's going to do everything he can to try to get me on the ground. But if I stay focused on the right thing, come on, when that whistle blows, I'm going to be there. Hallelujah. As a believer, when you're focused on the right thing, when you get to the end result, guess what? Your God will be there. Why? He don't leave you nor forsake you. What are you focused on? Come on, church, think about it. What are you focused on? Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Because if it's not about getting to know him better every day, you're going to become worried and discouraged. All things are not going to work together for good. All things work together for good to those who what? Love God, called according to his purpose, and do what? And they consider him. They consider him. If you consider him and stay focused on him... He's going to help you walk out your tomorrows. He's going to set you up for them. But you got to do what? You got to keep your focus on him. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.